Hi, I'm Glenn Harper, CPA and owner of Harper & Company, CPAs Plus, and partner in Sula Consulting. In each episode, my co-host, Julie Smith, Harper & Company's practice manager and partner in Sula Consulting, and I will interview a different guest about their entrepreneurial journey. The podcast features interviews with business owners, aka entrepreneurs, who bring intriguing and entertaining clarity to the entire entrepreneurial journey, giving others confidence to build their business. Our goal is to provide actionable value to you, the entrepreneur, to help you do business or build a business. Every entrepreneur deserves to enjoy the journey. Learning from others offers valuable insight and inspiration. We want to provide insight on the why, the how, the shortcuts, and the value add that many entrepreneurs wish they would have had identified at the onset of their journey. Sit back and enjoy the journey. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Empowering Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm Glenn Harper. Julie Smith. What's up, Julie? I'm back to the Starbucks. I'm telling you, it lasted about a week and you couldn't take it anymore. Well, the kids started school, so I need the good ah, stuff. You got your spectacles on today, I looking know. all dapper. I like it. Got to use use anything that makes me look a little Z- smarter. There huh? you have it. There you have it. I'm just, I'm using Braille over here. Well, we've got a real special guest today. It's uh, Jackie Meyer, and she has put the CPA and CPA, which I actually love talking to other CPA. It's a, it's a small fraternity, and we're all a little weird, so it's always nice to talk to another one. Um, Jackie's company, Tax Plan IQ, has found a way to teach other CPA firms how to unlock their potential from a tax sweatshop and converting them to a tax planning firm. Even though she's still a CPA with a doctoral aspirations and big four accounting experience, she still can't escape the lure of being an entrepreneur. She's also the owner of Jackie Meyer CPA and Meyer Tax Concierge. She loves public speaking as a relentless energy to fuel her passion of helping empower others to be the best they can be. Thank you, Jackie, for being on our show. Thank you so much. Your uh, your Texan draw makes one think that you have um, either become a Texan and acclimated or you grew up there. Which one is it? Wow. You already saw the draw huh? or heard the draw. Um, normally, people don't say that until I say y'all, but I guess <laughs> said that. Yeah, I'm a native Texan. Um, travel as much as possible, internationally as much as possible. But yeah, um, my husband's family's here in DFW. And so we're here to stay for at least a few more years. Nice. I, it looks like you're based in South Lake, Texas, which is on the shores of Grapevine Lake in between Dallas mm-hmm. and Fort Worth, correct? Yeah. Is it a, is this like a fishing, boating lake or is it something you guys utilize or you don't ever get in that lake? Well, there's there's rumors that the lake might be kind of dirty. <laughs> nah, in Texas, it's impossible. But we we have friends that have boats that we go out on the lake uh, with. Um, so yeah, it's fine. It's a great sweet. little area. Sweet. Well, yeah, I do extensive internet research, and uh, he's trying to get his. MBA or whatever you want to call it is masters in stalking. Yes, I'm I'm very close. I'm very close. Yeah, I was gonna say your intro is very good. I liked it Whew. a lot. And I love the weird part because yeah, you know, keep CPAs weird, right? Uh we, well it's important that we do that. And uh but in this extensive research, I, I found that uh, generally when you're not working, you spend a lot of quality time at the uh, Dairy Queen. And uh and when you're <laughs> And if you're at Dairy Queen, are you a, a Blizzard gal or a, or a Dilly Bar girl? Oh, Blizzard for sure. What's yeah. the flavor? So I went to Jamaica for a conference last month, and I was so excited to find DQ in the Jamaican airport. So oh. I posted that all over social. Yeah. What is, what's your flavor of choice? Oreo. Really? Just straight up? Mm-hmm. Wow. Do you do an Oreo milk kind of girl too? Is that how you do it? If you're just no. eating on the side, do you like them only in a Blizzard? Whew. All right. 
No fruit, no uh, no chocolate syrup, nothing like that. All right. Glenn's only disappointed because he goes and he's like, can I have the left side of the menu for those toppings in my blizzard? And I'm always like, oh my gosh, like all those things mixed together. I'm more like you, like I just want one thing. So yeah, that's why he's so thrown off by your, yeah, your choice. You know, if one's good, 10 is better, but uh, it's awesome. Well, you know, it's we appreciate you being on the show and, and getting to know you a little bit. And, and again, what we're trying to do is just Share the stories with other entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs of, of people that might be listening to try to inspire them and, and make them laugh a little bit and, and not be as on edge so they can continue down that journey. And, you know, you've had sounds like you've had a heck of a journey. And I just want to go with just I want to go to one piece from your college part. And then ultimately, I'd like you to we want to talk about before and after. But, you know, you. I'm still trying to figure this out, and it's very, very perplexing. I, I don't know how you can go to Texas A&M, University of Texas, and Southern SMU. I, I don't even know how you have a loyalty there. Like, which one do you go? And then you end up in Virginia, <laughs> Regent University, and you're trying to be a doctorate of all things. I, you know, you got to help me. How do you, how do you get from A to B on that? Yeah, great question. So I was born in Austin. My dad went to UT Austin. I was raised in College Station when my parents divorced. My mom became a teacher at College Station. And so, you know, College Station is everybody wants to go to A&M, you know. So it was all about getting into A&M. I had to pay my own way through college. And I was a great high schooler. I graduated a year early, but I was not, uh, I was like, made great grades, but was not participating whatsoever. Like I was not into the high school experience. So, um, I wasn't like, you know, in all the honor stuff or anything like that to get into AM. And so they actually did let me in. It was the first year of this joint program they did with the community college where you could get most of your credits at Blinn and then do one or two classes at AM and save money. Got so it. I did that my freshman year and then I ran out of money. And <laughs> anyways, And um, a friend of mine was from DFW, and I decided to move up here and finish my undergrad at UT Arlington and then get my master's at SMU. And yeah, now my doctorate over up in uh, Virginia Beach. So That's great. And do you have your doctorate then, or are you still in process? Still in process. I said I was going to finish it by the time I turn 40, which is next month. Oh, my. Uh, Now saying I'll do it by the time I am 40, because I actually enjoy it so much. I really, really enjoy all the writing and research and learning. So I don't want to let it go, honestly. That is so anti-CPA-ish to enjoy <laughs> writing. I mean, how is that even, po- I can't even spell. Most accountants only do numbers. How, how is it that you have this trend for that? I have no idea. I'm, I'm extra quirky. <laughs> Outstanding. Well, I, I saw the, the, the cool part about this is, so again, you mentioned a little bit about high school. Did you always want to be an entrepreneur? You know, did your upbringing, upbringing, did you have people that were entrepreneurs and you were like, Hey, that's kind of cool. Or did you just kind of stumble into this thing? I stumbled onto it for sure. Um, I, you know, kind of having an unstable upbringing, I wanted to always have a job that I could make sure and take care of myself. And so that's how I ended up in the business school. I had no allegiance to accounting or finance or anything like that. I just wanted to make sure that I could have a stable living, right? So uh, fortunately, I started working for a small CPA, you know, two, three people in Fort Worth during the end of my undergrad. And he had me start doing 
tax returns. And I fell in love with it because I love the idea of magically like coming up with deductions and tax savings and finding things that don't exist. <laughs> and uh, legally, of course. So, Always. <laughs> yeah. So uh, then I went back and, you know, went into the tax arena and found my way in the back door of Deloitte and into their high net worth division. So it all worked out. <laughs> when you uh, when you were at Deloitte, was that a big shock going from that little tiny firm to the, the megacorp and uh, dealing with people with lots more commas past their name? Yeah. So I actually went from the small firm to countrywide, which we all know where that went. And uh, that I was packaging and selling. I was in their finance division selling their doing these million, million, million dollar wires. It was crazy um, to Deloitte. So I had a little bit of experience going, you know, through that corporate ladder, but never enjoyed Deloitte never enjoyed countrywide, did not want the corporate experience. And that's really how I fell into becoming an entrepreneur. See how that works, everyone? You're sitting there getting hassled by the man and you're like, you know what? I can do this better on my own. And here we are. I just are. don't think she likes being told what to do. That could be No, true. I know. <laughs> I really don't. Um, I actually, I went from Deloitte to another smaller firm in DFW, about 25 people that was run, uh, female owned and operated, which was pretty cool. But I got in so much trouble, I ended up getting fired. And that's how I started my firm. Oh, so, do, do tell the getting in trouble. I, I love a little scandal. What you got? Well, we were going through some issues with raises and people not getting raises. And um, I became pretty argumentative about it. And uh, one day they just had had enough. Like the day before they had written this recommendation letter for me tell, telling uh, the Irving Chamber of Commerce what a superstar I was. And then the next day I was gone. But looking back, I realized it was the cultural fit. It wasn't there, right? Like I was constantly butting heads and that was going to mess with the rest of the culture of the company. And so I get it now, although it felt terrible at the time and, you know, really out of nowhere, but it wouldn't have had me start my own firm. And, you know, my firm did amazing and I've had a very blessed life. So it was the best thing that ever happened. Isn't that funny? The It doesn't matter if you're an uh, all-chick firm, an all-dude firm, or whatever firm. The culture is so important. And if it doesn't fit, mm-hmm. it just doesn't fit. You can get through all those other things, whatever. But but if, if you're always butting heads, what's the point of arguing every day? I mean, that's that's no right. fun. You're wasting your time. I don't know. I find it kind of fun. Well, I think you're a little bit odd duck as well, but <laughs> aren't we all, really? And you're not even a CPA and you're an odd duck, so it's even better. So we, we love that about you. No, it's good. <laughs> No, uh, again, everybody, entrepreneurs, just, it's hard for us to fit in a box. We just don't. And it, obviously you didn't fit in that box. So when you decide to do your own firm, was you doing, were you doing the same exact thing just in a different way or did you blow it up and do something totally new? I was pretty traditional at first, but I did kind of push the envelope from the beginning. So I was always focused in on tax strategies and planning. I just didn't know how to make it really pop. And so as the years went on, uh, I started my firm in 2010, 20, end of 2013 rolls around and my husband and I are expecting our first baby. And I realized like, wow, I can't um, just do the traditional method anymore. I can't work nights and weekends. I can't not be available in April and completely miss Easter. So I found a business coach and his name's Chuck Bauer and I said, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. I need to change. What can I do? And he asked me a really simple question. Who do you like working with and why? 
And based on that question, uh, I developed these packages around high net wealth entrepreneurs. And we essentially quadrupled the firm's revenue. I was able to let go of clients that weren't a good fit, about 60% of them. And it was a game changer to get my time back. And I eventually was able to work my way down to four hours a week, like Tim Ferriss in that wonderful book. So uh, I was on to something. Hold on. Wait a second. Four hours a week. That's insanity. I, I think that's amazing. So and two questions come to on your comments. First of all, when you were uh, when you were pregnant, did your husband lose gain weight with you? Was that a thing? Was he uh, no gained the stress weight? They were on the Dairy Queen diet. I, it's I, fine. I, <laughs> I mean, the sympathy pains are real. It's got a, It's a big thing for a guy to get pregnant like that. Um, I just want to that make question sure. didn't even come to my mind. But oh no, I think about that all the time. That's that's why I'm a little weird. Well, you know, the crazy thing is, you know, as an uh, again speaking specifically as accountants, it's really hard for us to change and get out of our own way. And and Julie and I have. Oh, it's been a struggle to get me off certain things. And and once you do, it's pretty cool. But that emotional trauma of, you know, letting, setting free clients that just don't fit your model, that that's a traumatic thing to do. And then once you do, everybody's happier, right? Because they're getting what they want and you're not battling them anymore and trying to justify things. You're like, this is what we do and how we do it. Either you want it or you don't. Uh, you probably felt pretty good after you did that. Oh yeah. It was a game changer. And I had one client that was like, oh, you're dumping me. But I was like, you know, sorry, like, <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Right. I need, I need a better quality of life and I'm not doing the best possible work for you anyways, cause I'm so bogged down. So you're better off somewhere else. Um, and you know, my coach actually asked me to coach other accountants with him after the transformation of my firm. And so now I coach other accountants and I talk about this constantly. I just really wish that they would listen. <laughs> it's impossible. They're, impossible. They're, they're the worst. <laughs> oh, I tell you that there, when I say the counts are odd ducks, it, there is no doubt about that. And, and the reality is pretty much most accountants probably do a great job of what they do. They're good accountants, but they're just not good running a business and bringing what they have to offer in a good way to their clients. Right. And, and that makes this little struggle. So, you know, you're probably on lots of meds as you go and talk to accountants and come out of there going, what the heck was that all about? But again, you, the passion is there. You can see it in your eyes and, and tell in your tone that you enjoy doing it. It's just, again, it's if you get one out of a 20, it's a win, right? I mean. Exactly. And that's what you have to focus on are the wins. And they do happen. Um, it's rarer than I would like. I would like to influence more people, but, you know, just one is is a great win every, you know, every now and then. So. And so you working four hours a week, I imagine you had figured out how to build a team. How early on when you went on your own, did you, did that light bulb go on that this isn't me? I need, it has to be bigger, better. I have to empower. I have to, you know, make that change. Yeah, I did not realize that for several years. So I was a micromanager. I had serious trust issues. I did not not want anyone to do any of the work for me. You sound then, like a closet accountant. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but having children, again, kind of forced me out of that because I realized, like, if this is going to continue and continue well, I have to trust others. I have to delegate and I have to have other people. So, you know, we went pretty quickly from just one or two kind of part-time helpers for several years to a dozen uh, people. And I assigned 
what I call a project manager to every client, which was one of the better things that, that we did as well. Instead of just having staff account and senior account and all the traditional roles and whatnot, I wanted the clients to be taken care of really well, and I didn't want to be in the middle of it. And so I elevated and delegated. That sounds so cheesy, but... It's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> but I think for our listeners, what... Like, obviously, now we're like, oh my gosh, that sounds so easy, right? Even I think, you know, yeah. Glenn kind of gets it too. But what happened or how did you let that go? Because obviously, that's a hard step, and especially for entrepreneurs. So how were you able to work through that mentally and, and to get there. Obviously, kids are a big part of it, but it's obviously your business too. That's also your baby. Right, right, exactly. Um, to be honest, I had health health problems. So um, I started having like fibromyalgia type symptoms, chronic fatigue um, after having my first kid. And I, it was literally make or break. I, I, I told my husband, hey, if we have another kid, which we did and gay this year <laughs> and he's six and I've still kind of got my wits about me. I was like, I can't lose my entire brain power here because I felt like I lost half my brain power um, with whether it was postpartum or whatnot. But um, the the health condition just forced me to change. And I don't want that on anybody else. But unfortunately, sometimes it takes that serious of a thing to for people to change. I just try to, you know, give them my story and other people's stories so that they can maybe try to just get around that instead of, you know, hitting it face forward in the wall with them. Yeah. It's, it seems uh, a pattern of behavior for entrepreneurs that they, they don't make a decision or get out of their own way until they literally are backed in the corner like a caged rat. And then they have yeah. to do something. And, and, and it's never a regret. It's just a like, Oh, son of a, biscuit moment where you're like, man, if I'd have just made that decision a little bit prior, wow, that would have been, you still are who you are and things were a bit, everything would have worked out just fine, but it might've been a little bit less of a struggle in that period. If you could have, you know, if everybody could figure that out. So the, the takeaway is when there's a time to, uh, when you just feel like you might have enough before you like snap and, and get on top of a church tower, you, you know, you might want to you know, make the decision to empower and trust somebody. And and on that note, when you when you did trust and empower the people around you, how, you know, we hear different things. Sometimes people trust people all the way and give them a chance to F it up right away. And sometimes they dole it out and see what happens and then they get disappointed later. Were you an all-in girl at the beginning or did you just do it a little bit at a time? She's an all-in girl. All-in right away? Yeah, I'm all-in. I'm all-in. But if... You know, if I see any signs of of trust issues, you know, I'm going to be all over that. So and I'll take it right back. But um, there are people, you know, in the earlier days that were so trustworthy and um, so helpful and dedicated and loyal that it was really a great opportunity to realize that people are out there. Now, of course, I had some bad ones, too, but don't we all? So <laughs> I tell you, when when you find a good one, you want to hold on to that because it's a really uh -huh. important thing uh, because it's really hard to find that because, again, everybody is doing their own thing. But if somebody can link up and say, hey, I want to truly help and they truly want to mm -hmm. be part of and they want to lead in a way, it's kind of cool to have that. So it's a very, it's when you get that, you might want to hold on to that. So that's another thing as an entrepreneur, you're going to butt heads, you're going to have issues, but you know what? Stay the course because if you know you got somebody's got your back, it's really hard to find that. 
Amen. <laughs> now, go ahead. Well, so, uh, so you have your CPA firm and you've changed this way you're doing it. When did Tax Plan IQ come to formation? Yeah, so <clears throat> I had gotten my time down quite a bit in the firm. And of course, as an entrepreneur, I'm a workaholic and I was, I needed something to be busy. I wanted to learn something new. Time, and time out. Can I ask that you're working four hours a week and now you'd want to do something else because you weren't working up. You just said you're really busy, but you only work four hours a week. So what's going on here? Talk to me. No, I'm not busy. I okay. needed something that makes All right. me busy. All right. Yeah. Great. So I was doing the coaching which that was super fulfilling. Um, but I did set pretty good boundaries around that. And Chuck had taught me pretty good boundaries around how to respond to people, how to communicate and women. And so it wasn't taking up a ton of my time. Um, and so I, you know, my mind was like, I need something new. I, I need something exciting to do. And so COVID hit. And while everyone was scrambling around to go paperless, you know, we had been paperless and uh, fully virtual since 2010. And it was just another day for us, right? Um, we already were doing virtual meetings and that kind of thing. And so I went to a software developer vendor of mine and said, hey, I have this idea. I want to combine all of the things, all of the processes and workflows that we did to convert to this amazing tax advisory firm into one software. Will you make it for me? They said, yes. And that's how Tax Plan IQ was born. Um, so we're two years in, we have about 250 firms using it. I wish we were three times that, but you know, it'll come eventually. <laughs> so you decided to become a computer, computer programmer, uh, in the middle of this. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. And it, man, it has been a kick in the pants. I'll tell you that, um, software development sounds really sexy mm -hmm. and it's, it's really not, it's really, really hard work. Um, so it's kind of been like starting over or refining my identity because I ended up selling my CPA firm last fall and now mm -hmm. I'm just doing fully tax on IQ and the coaching. And so I'm really just figuring out like how that one to many model works because I'm, I love working one-on-one -on -one with people and seeing results, seeing change. And it's hard to see that from a, you know, 250 user perspective, right? So I'm finding my groove with all that. So, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit aghast here that, you know, like you're out of the, the, the tax planning game. You, you gave it up that it, you, you yeah, cut me real I deep. Miss it. I do miss it. I love tax planning, but we do consult with our users. And so we'll partner up on tax planning gigs sometimes and that'll be fun. Was that hard? I mean, and again, just speaking as another CPA, like this is what you're your, you believed your purpose in life is to help clients and advise them in that way. And to just say, I'm going to skip over that and do now teach the teachers, right? How, was that a hard decision to make? Or was it just, you had to do it because you only have so much time in the day or your passion disappeared? Which, which one was it? My passion changed. So I realized that I really enjoyed working more with accountants because I could see the, the change so, so much quicker and they could influence so many more people. Right. So that my passions changed and kind of realigned with working with accountants. Um, it was hard to let go of the firm, but it was also really easy because it was, you know, one to two years in the making of back and forth. Like, should I hang on to this? Should I not? If my passion's not really here still, and I, I really do believe truly that I can influence a lot more people by, you know, targeting the accountants, teaching the teachers, like you said, 
and then them influencing the world. Um, so we'll see. Love it. That's pretty cool. So I feel like your journey has been, you know, some with some curves, right? And you've had some surprises in there. Mm-hmm. But as you've gone through that, what do you think your superpower is? Oh, that's a great question. And I came up with that a week ago. So uh, I was, well, it's always changing, evolving. But last <laughs> week I found this one word that I was like, why am I, Why did this all work out for me? And it doesn't work out for some people, right? A lot of successful entrepreneurs think that. What is that one thing, Right. And it came down to the word courage for me. So when I get rejected or I ask for something from someone and they say no, it hurts, yes, but I keep going and I keep pushing and I don't let up. And so I think having that courage to just keep moving forward and knowing like you are going to succeed if you put your mind and heart and soul into it, it is gonna make it work out. And so I wrote an article for Forbes last week about that that hopefully will come out soon. I also hear perseverance though, through your definition and description, like you have courage, but you also have the perseverance to like push through those hard things, right? Yeah, that's true, that's true. It's just, it's all just a matter of perspective because uh, growing up, I had kind of a mentally unstable home. And so, so anything that I'm comparing to that seems like a walk in the park, like an unhappy client, or, uh, you know, someone getting a divorce or whatever. Yeah, those things suck. But in the grand scheme of things, like it's nothing compared to mental illness and permanent um, issues that some people have out there. And so you just have to always keep it in perspective. Well, I think it's uh, I think the the passion that comes that you believe in something so much that you are not going to let one person or one situation knock you off that track. You, you just can't because every day. How many times you get told no a day by by somebody about something? If if that lets you that that defines you, you'll never get anywhere. So I think that's right. I don't know if it's really thick skin. It's just like, well, they just don't get it. I'm going to move on, talk to somebody else. Is that probably how you had to do it? Yeah, exactly. But also the initial ask, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't ask, you're never going to get it. Isn't that the craziest thing that um, people are scared to ask? It's the weirdest thing. Um, But I also think you didn't let some something that happens to many people instead of just giving into that being your story and you being the victim or that being a crutch or this is my why you were able to completely change your perspective and lean on that to push you through hard times you've had i'm sure you've had hard times as an entrepreneur where you want to throw in the towel you want to quit i'm done But instead, you're like, you know what? That was hard. This is easy. And so I give you a ton of kudos for changing your path when you could have been something completely different. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, Actually, there was a huge event that happened back in 2018 that did help me change the whole trajectory of how I felt about work stuff. And that was when my sister was visiting Florida and she fell, hit her head on concrete up double surgery. And she had like a flap off of her head for several months. And so my dad and I had to fly back and forth um, and help her at these various hospitals that were taking very good or very poor care of her to help her walk, talk, um, everything again. And it took about a six month process. But 
the only way I was able to do that is because I had transformed my firm. And so everything kind of came to a pinnacle at that point of like, why, you know, like I was able to be there for her and help her. And that was so much more important than me getting 50 tax returns done that week or whatever. Right. Can you elaborate a little bit on one piece of this? So, you know, some people, again, I, I really believe entrepreneurs are just born that way. Right. And but I think a lot of people that become entrepreneurs just need a little push off the cliff to take the jump. When you were going through this thing where like, wow, this is really, really hard. And I just, I am not giving up. Was that something that you just, is an innate thing inside of you? Or was it something that you got some help with, some coaching, consulting, some therapy, something that gave you, gave uh, I guess, brought that out in you? Or did you already already have it? Hmm, that's a great question. I remember it just being this like innate response of, I have to be there. You know, this is my role. I need to do this and this is going to happen. Right. And I think that that's the same feeling that I have whenever I do something scary at work or, you know, start a new business or anything like that. Right. It's just that feeling that like, this is where I need to be. This is what I need to be doing. And, and I won't be satisfied if I don't. Either lean into the wind or, or run away. And leaning into the wind is a lot yeah. funner, right? Not to say that I don't have helpers. Oh, I yeah. mean, I yeah. have counselors, coaches. I have like five coaches all the time. So yeah, I mean, I always lean on others. You need that outside perspective for sure. If you were, you know, I always, I like this question because it's kind of cool, but you know, you are obviously good at what you do. You used to help individual clients helping with their situation. Now you're helping the teachers who teach. What would be your ideal client? You go, man, if I could just get in with that firm, I would rock their world. Like, is that something that's on your, you don't have to name them, but did you have somebody that's like, that's on my list to go target that and go get that? Or is it just like, I, I eat them as they come in? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, honestly, it's totally opposite of what I thought it would be. So when I first started coaching accountants, we would only take more established firms because we wanted I don't know why, because that was wrong. That was totally wrong. The The perfect firm for coaching and change is a newer firm that's open to the ideas. And no bad habits, right? Do it. No bad habits. Exactly. Yeah. And so we have seen the most amazing progression. Greg O'Brien at Go CPAs is a great example of that. He just won CTC, AICTC of the year. Um, he's featured on a lot of podcasts and whatnot he grew to millions within like two to three years. And we were a part of that journey because he was always seeking learning education, applying everything that he could learn. And so I can't think of a particular firm that's like that, that I'm like, I need that one right now or else I'd say it. But anyone that's, you know, open-minded on that fast track with a newer firm that wants to skip all the crap, that's the perfect uh, client for us. Yeah, the crotchety old guy is impossible. He'll never get that one. That's just, just the way it is. I can't explain it, but man, that's a tough nut to crack. Um, it is. <laughs> do you have a specific, uh, you know, mentor or somebody that kind of took you under the wing, put their arm on and said, look, this is what you need to do, Jackie. This, this will, what they said to you transformed you. Obviously, it was that one coach, I think, that might have said the one thing. Was there anybody else that did that prior to you to kind of like, Hey, if you're in the dark, dark days and somebody hey, grabbed you and gave you a helping hand and pulled you up and helped get you on your way. Is there somebody that did that for you at some point? 
Um, I would say I was a pretty much a loner growing up, but my husband is literally like the most trustworthy person in the world and the kindest person in the world and very reliable. And while he's not an entrepreneur, he supports everything I choose to do. And I don't think that I could have probably made these kind of big decisions without him and his support. So I would have to give kudos to Mark for sure. You might want to hold on to that guy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He gets the kids ready in the morning. I'm like, sign me up for that. (laughs) Right. Well, you know, we made some agreements. I was working like three jobs at the time, you know, when we got married and we agreed like, hey, I'm going to be I have these big goals with work. You know, you're, you don't have that big of goals. He's worked at Fidelity for 25 years. He's very happy with his role there. He does not want to be a manager. He doesn't want a promotion. Um, he just does, you know, finan- financial advisory support. And um, so I said, you're doing the dishes. You're doing the laundry. <laughs> and when he when he gets upset at me these days, because you have two children and things are a little more high strung, I'm like, hey, remember what we to remember <laughs> He's like, what me? I yeah, I would never think like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you had, you have a moment when you were on your journey where you were like, wow, if I could just redo that piece. Um, and, and I don't want to call it a regret, but is this something that you would recognize by that moment in time? If I changed that, you know, I know we talked about that a little bit, but is there what a, a specific point in time? You're like, wow, if I had just made that decision, then when you look back, that had changed this whole trajectory. Do you have anything like that? Yeah, I do. I think though, it's more about just high school and college. Um, me not seeking mentorship or trying to rely on other people and how much that could have helped push me forward. So, I mean, studying and and education was always really easy to me, but it was, you know, a mental block in regards to wanting to work with other people and trust other people. And I think that I really could have probably gone a lot further if I had had that mentorship in high school or college or embraced that. You know, it's funny about that. You know, I think like my generation, there was no help at all. You either, you somehow got in some club and learned it but you're on your own. There's no resources. And then you kind of came probably through that transition where it was starting to be available. And now it's so common. So I think the takeaway of our listeners is that, you know, there are so many resources that you don't even think most entrepreneurs want to help other entrepreneurs. They don't, they, they, it's a fraternity. It's a little family thing that we like helping each other. So don't be scared to reach out. People want to help. It's the craziest thing. Um, Because most entrepreneurs, once they kind of, I don't want to say made it, but they're doing fine they would rather give back than circle the wagons and just do their things in a vacuum. And, and I think just people have to be aware that if they just ask, people will help. Well, and I think it goes back to the beginning of the, the podcast. She said, I'm willing to ask, mm-hmm. right? So you have to be willing to ask sometimes for that assistance or that advice. And people usually are very giving with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you- there was one particular professor in my master's, Dr. Van Breda, at SMU. And he was so hard on me and my papers and whatnot. Um, but I got really, you know, mad about that instead of embracing the fact that he cared enough to actually like 
grade me in more detail and give me notes and that kind of thing. And so it's, that's one of the things that it reminds me of like, Hey, I should have opened up that conversation, but I wasn't there, you know, mentally ready for that at the time I needed to emotionally mature. And so here I am now. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> so, emotionally mature. <laughs> well, it's just funny that sometimes you don't recognize, not you, but people in general don't recognize that there might be somebody in front of them that is going to give provide some sort of incredible advice or some kind of guidance. And we just don't know enough to know that, to recognize that opportunity. And when we always evaluate going back and looking like, you know what, I remember that guy or that gal that did that. And man, I should have just, man, imagine if I'd have just listened. Right. But you know, honestly, from the coaching perspective, I think that every week, I think Mm -hmm. why aren't more people reaching out and asking me questions? Like I'm an open book. I tell them to email me. I tell them to reach out. Yes, I'm very busy, but like, that's my passion. I love helping people. And so I just ran like a 10 days to closing a tax plan challenge with, um, you know, hundreds of people and they, they don't show up to the meetings and they don't ask the questions. And you're like, you got to ask, just ask. What's well, funny. I still think there's a, a stigmatism out there of some sort where, people still can't believe that you, an entrepreneur, myself, Julie, people are out there that we would really love to help. And they just can't believe that somebody would be willing to give their free time or give a secret away. Like, how could that even be possible? But it's possible. It's really the way it is. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, Jackie, you and I kind of coincide in some of the things that we do. And I think for me, and I'm going to guess the same as for you, is we would rather give away all that advice to help impact someone's life rather than saying no because of some outside reason. And so, and I think you find, I've always found that to be true. I've never been told no in regards to like, hey, just quick question, or can you share your story? Or can you share your advice? Or let me run something by you. And I think people, for whatever reason, are so scared not to be not to have the answer maybe is that like that they don't know that outcome that they're almost scared. They don't have the courage to ask. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's also a balance though, because you can tell someone what to do all day, but Mm -hmm. that's why coaching is important because they have to discover it for themselves. And so there's a fine line between just like vomiting out all this information that they need to do or trying to get them into a program of, of some sort where you can follow along, hold them accountable and that kind of thing too. Absolutely. It's, it's an absolute miracle that anybody can do anything in the world with all the stuff going on. <laughs> I mean, it's so, it is so hard, but it doesn't have to be hard, but it just is. And even after you figure it out, it's still hard because every day you got to make even harder, bigger dis, dis, uh, decisions because it affects more and more people. Um, when you were, you know, we always talk about as an entrepreneur, sometimes you go out and you want to do business, meaning you're, you're going to, you want to be an ex CPA and you want to help clients. So you then go help clients. And and that's a great business model. It works. People are comfortable doing their own thing and nobody's telling them what to do. They get to pick and choose, but you kind of become a slave to that thing and you can't, you can, you can't scale that. And then you make the decision to, to transform yourself to uh, building a business, right? Um, when did you decide that you were going to transition that from doing business to building a business? Um, when did you realize that this is crazy? I can't do it all on my own. I need, I want to build a business and be a, a true owner investor, not an owner operator. Yeah. First I'd say a big realization I had is 
Yeah. As an entrepreneur, I don't have one boss, but now I have 300 bosses, right? And it's even harder. And that was difficult to wrap my mind around the fact that like, I wanted that control and really like (laughs) other people were demanding so much of me. Um, When did you switch from in the business to on the business? That's a great question. I think that it was kind of just a slow uh, transition over those years that I knew that I didn't want to be a workaholic and do the traditional methods anymore. And so I think every week when I met with my coach, he would give me new ideas or new concept. Um, and I would implement most of it. And as I implemented those things, I realized like, wow, this is me working on the business, right? Or I just need to block one hour a week to think about what I'm doing for the business instead of in the business. If there's like one thing that any listener can do to to help them move in that path, it's just block some time for it, right? Because we are going to be, we're going to be taken by everyone else's deadlines and urgencies if we don't schedule that time to work on the business ourselves. I mean, that is the curse of the entrepreneur as we're really a slave to everyone, even though we think we're free, we're really not because we still got to get the work done because you got to get paid and, and to yep. carve that time out is, is crucial. Wow. So if you're an entrepreneur and doing things, I think what's a cool, we kind of talked about this a little bit is that it's not, um, again, I think Julie and I think, and you are one of the, and we know some common people that we're really on this crusade to change the industry of accountants because Lord only knows we, we need a little bit of modification here. Um, it's a hard journey. It's hard to get these people to do it, but again, it's, it's bigger than just a little thing. It's trying to really seismically shift how the industry is in that scope of clients that we deal with, the firms. And I mean, if everybody would listen to that a little bit, the ability for those CPA firms and those accounting firms, what they could do for their clients, their entrepreneurial clients to help advise them in a better way. I mean, that will literally change the world. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. And I will say on a side note, a book that really helped open my eyes in regards to working on the business is E-Myth. So, um, you know, the fact that we go, we're all technicians when we get into this, we're really great technicians and we need to move to kind of manager and then true entrepreneur and owner. So I would recommend that book if anyone hasn't read it. So I have one last question. You know, Jackie Meyer, you've, you've had a CPA firm, you've worked in the big four, you have tax plan IQ. What is your end game? (laughs) My end game is to be on the board of all these companies and just be a visionary. So I just want to envision cool new things, have them happen and have other people do it. (laughs) And then I want to travel the world with my family. Um, I would love to do more like missionary trips type stuff and, um, we, I set a goal a few years ago to travel a month in the summer with my family, which we have been able to do. We just got back from that trip, but there's so much more, so many more places we could see and so many more things we could do. So what I hear is there's <laughs> no end game. You're going to keep going. <laughs> you, no. you, you know too much. Why would you stop? And, and if you can right. be so impactful, why would you ever stop? I, well, I, I think the only other question I have, are you a Cowboys fan then? My husband is. My what, husband is for sure. What are yeah. you? I, I'm not a 
huge sports person. I've got way too much like accounting, tax, geek out stuff in this head. I don't need to do any sports except my kids, soccer, baseball, karate. I'm really getting into that stuff for sure. You're getting into karate. That's kind of cool. Well, my, no. for my son. Oh, I thought you were doing <laughs> it. That would be pretty cool. Well, I tell you, we really, really appreciate you having on having you on the show. And I hope our listeners get some value out of this. And we just keep hammering some of these points home because, again, I think there's just a, a couple concepts that if entrepreneurs understand and can execute on, it really will transform their lives and they can transform the people around them. Would you want to give a couple plugs of, of your of your firm here so we can, uh, listeners that they want to reach here, anything like that, they know what to do? So if you go to Jackie.cpa, you can see all the coaching, consulting, and offerings that we're doing right now. Tax Plan IQ is meant for tax advisors or accountants that want to be tax advisors. But if uh, a taxpayer goes and tells their accountant about Tax Plan IQ, I won't be mad because sometimes it takes the taxpayer client to tell the accountant that they need to do something before they're actually going to get it done. Um, but yeah, I would love to significantly grow the software, which in turn shows us that we are making that difference that we want to make in transforming this industry. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show and we appreciate you taking time in your busy day, even though you're only working for four hours a week, we do appreciate this extra time. <laughs> no, not I'm, anymore, buddy. <laughs> I'm messing with you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. You. Well, Julie, another doozy here. So uh, it was a good time here and I'm looking forward to the next one. Absolutely. Take care. This is a Glenn Harper. Julie Smith. At Harper & Company CPA Plus, we just don't care about the numbers. We care about helping you tap into the greatness of your entrepreneurial journey. You deserve a partner who has helped hundreds of businesses go from paying the bills to building the business and lifestyle of their dreams. Go to our website and download our free guide entitled Entrepreneurial Success Formula, How to Avoid Managing Your Business from Your Bank Account. The link is in this episode's show notes.